Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast, all about money stories. We all have a unique relationship with money and an equally unique story about how that relationship made us who we are today. This season, we will be asking navigators in our community to share their tales. We hope these stories will help us all learn more about our common human experience and dig deeper into our own financial journeys. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have specific financial questions you would like people to answer, call us and leave a voicemail at 206-405-0182. We will read your questions and have them answered on this season of the podcast. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast. We are so excited today to welcome the Marcus Garrett from themarcusgarrett.com. The Marcus Garrett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just I just heard the story of why we have to add these. So please tell our audience why you are the ultimate, ultimate of Marcus Garrett's. I, I believe the, the comment was I had to have some cojones to name myself the Marcus <laughs> I Garrett, which I think is PG-13 <laughs> enough for me to say on the show. Y'all can bleep that out if necessary. Nope. Um, it and it's, it's actually a, a, a far less complicated and grandiose story than that. So it, it's twofold story. Um, when I was in high, I've been podcasting since 2013, which is not a reflection of an accomplishment. It's a reflection of being old and a <laughs> senior geriatric millennial here speaking on behalf of. And when I was dating back in my Tinder days, it was, I was there was a serial killer named Marcus Garrett, which I oh, frequently wow. heard about, apparently out of Florida. I think he's still in jail. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> I would like, I go on a date and these women would be like, hey, I, I Googled you. You know, I'm like, okay, I did not Google you. Maybe. So maybe I'm the one that should have been Googling. And uh, they're like, man, there's a serial killer. And, and I always wondered, like, you saw a serial killer on the top of Google and you're like, eh, what's the worst going to happen first date free dinner? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, that, that tells you the state of the dating world. And I guess that was 2005-ish. Uh, then flash forward uh, another decade, I started podcasting at 13. I was blogging at that time. So I'm like, all right, there's like a brief window where if you Googled Marcus Garrett, I was at the top of uh, Google. And then this superstar high school basketball player, like at 16, named Marcus Garrett. I know this guy's life history because I used to have a Google reader that would email me and it would just email me stories about the other Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett. It's like, Marcus Garrett scores 28 points. I was like, I was asleep yesterday. What are you talking about? <laughs> Six fours, dominant Kansas. He went on to Kansas State, you know. So oh people God. might know this person, Kansas Jayhawks. I might reach out to him one day just so the Marcuses can combine. Truly. And then, like, when I finally got to Instagram, because I'm a late adopter of everything, a strong, firm. Other than podcasting. Yeah, yeah. No, podcasting, well, yeah. I mean, 2013 is a little late, too. Okay. He's like zero Marcus Garrett or something like that. So he's literally, he's above one. <laughs> <laughs> so after all that, I gave up the battle. I was like, I'm not competing with serial killers and basketball players anymore. Right. I am the, the I mean, respect on yes. so many levels. And now you're you're a second on Google because the am. NBA player is going to get it. Like, let's just be honest. But I'm really happy that you that you made it. I, I hired a marketing team and I told them their only oh. key performance indicator. I pay them whatever oh they God. want was to get me ranked number one. And they were like... If he doesn't go into the NBA and then he did. And they're like, they gave me a refund. They didn't even fill the contract. They're like, Hey, look, hey. wait, are you serious? That is, this is a real story. Yeah. They were like, we, <laughs> there's nothing we can do for money. you. Yeah. Cause I, like, cause the con that's what I said. That was the key performance in the guy. I was like, I need to be number one. I don't need to. I mean, these are all superficial metrics at the end of the day, right. but my name Just is Marcus. Yeah. And I was like, yes. I, I want to be the number one Marcus. Garrett. Well, I was the Marcus. Garrett. And they're like, we can't help you. We can't. 
MBA wins on all SEO. So, okay. It's an amazing story. So I want to go back to when the Marcus Garrett was a child and the only Marcus Garrett <laughs> around. Um, and so, you know, at Navit, we talk a lot about money stories. And so this is all about, you know, kind of your arc and your, your, where you started, um, the relationship you had with money as a child, maybe your first money memory, we can start with that and then how that affected you over time. So I'm really curious. Yeah. Let, uh, to start with kind of, yeah. What, tell us your first money memory. So I'll go back to the beginning. So young Marcus in a young world, Marcus. you know, that, you have like that announcer voice, you know, the beginning of a movie voice. I do voiceovers. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> There's a revenue stream. For See, that. I know all this. Uh, but we're, we're getting ahead. We're getting ahead. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. In a world where little Marcus is born. <laughs> I was actually probably the only Marcus because I, I was born in Huntsville, Texas, a town of like 15,000, I think, at its largest, probably now. Might have gone backwards. Uh, so I probably was the only Marcus around. But I guess my first money memory, so Huntsville, then we moved to Houston, where I'm located now. Uh, and I've moved around since then. That's kind of a, a staple of my father, which I can talk a little bit about how he shaped my career. I would say the first one that jumps out anyway was I think I was around age 14 or so. And it's Christmas. And what I used to do, I'm an auditor now. My parents think this is hilarious. They think I was an auditor when I was like four because I, I would I would go to the newspaper article. So I would write Santa. But just in case, I would also print out, I remember doing this, I'd cut out the newspaper article like a serial killer and I'd put it <laughs> on the refrigerator and I'd be like, make sure Santa, so he would see a picture of the thing that I wanted and I would write a little list next to it. I was like doing an audit checklist at like six. And this particular year, I had my eye on this remote control car. And I think by this time, I already knew Santa wasn't real. So we were kind of in that pretend phase of like, parents, I want this, you know, I still put it on the fridge. So Santa, parents, whoever, this is what I want. You can see it clearly. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, you can cross reference it. There's no way to miss it. <laughs> I want the red one, you know, don't come here with no blue remote control car. <laughs> yes. And my, my dad, who has like rejected multiple Christmas presents, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell a story about that in a second. Uh, he's, he's, it was $200. He's like, I'm not paying no $200. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the exact voice I heard from the other room. I was like, first of all, it's Santa, you know, so it's technically free. And, um, uh, he was like, I'll go half. Cause I had like a, a chores and stuff like that then. And that was my first money memory. And I was like, it like, I, my parents like have created rebelliousness in me, which is really good for an entrepreneur, which I am now. And so I was like, I'll show them, I'll get half. And so I'm like mowing the grass and doing, you know, child labor. And um, I, that's my first money memory was saving up for that remote control car, which I think I played with twice. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my God. It, I mean, it was a souped up, like, it was right below gas power. It ran on batteries. So you would, oh. this is this is back in the day. So you would charge it. It probably like added $30 to the electric bill each month <laughs> yes. and it would run for like two, two minutes. It would charge for like three days and then I'd take it outside and it was like, yeah. well, that was fun. You know? That was great. Yeah. yeah. But it was blue, right? Yeah. Or what it, was, it was, it was red. red. It was it red. red. Yes. But it was mine and I had saved for it. it was and you did my, it. My first money memory. Yeah. That's amazing. So it really, so do you feel like that was, I mean, in retrospect, the a sense of accomplishment and that you got what you you wanted something and you worked for it and you got it. Yeah, it, it really I've, I've told that story a lot. It really created an, uh, a wrinkle in, in time, the lightning bolt strike, depending if you're a fan of Deep Blue Sea, like they, it, that's going to like stick in my memory forever. I'll be telling my my grandkids that that story. Yes. 
And the other money memory, and it might have been around this remote control time, uh, car time, is my father, my father, like, the stories that he tells, he, he, I think he thinks he grew up in the woods, like, fending off wolves and things. <laughs> but this particular time, he's like, you know, one Christmas, son, do you know what I got? No, my father gave me. I was like, what, dad? He's like, an apple. <laughs> an apple? He's like, yeah. And you know what I said? I said, what, dad? Is this all for me? And I was like, come on, man. You know, so like he he has created this fable of struggle that he went through up here both ways, eating his Christmas apple. Yep. That's all he got. Yeah. So. Um, is any of that remotely true? What now that I'm older, uh, yeah. I, so my parents are like executive producers. I gotta be careful. They listen to all my shows now and they send in like corrective notes. They're like, well, actually the car was 200. Like they'll probably say the remote control car was like 500. I don't, I think it was 200. They got a better memory because I'm a child. Right. Also, they're not above lying. Right. Uh, manipulating <laughs> the story in which they're always correct. Exactly. I say. Uh, so allegedly that story is true but now that i'm older like my uh, grandfather was in the military i'm not sure if my uh, grandmother's a stay at home but they weren't they weren't poverty stricken as eating apples for christmas and trudging uphill in the snow yes yeah i do not believe but i don't want to argue with my dad about it he's still around no, you know no. he's still scared i'm still scared of my dad i was like that, if he's know. listening respect the guy this man still respects you father i'm, I'm scared of my mom and my dad I'm, oh, amazing you know, I'm, I'm on my fourth decade they still frighten me <laughs> well well done to them and i'm sure you'll do that to your kids too so here we are i, I look forward to it I love it. Um, okay, so that's a great. So you already kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit in you, let's say. So then, how did that serve you as you started to kind of get older and more independent? Maybe you left home. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny now. It was tragic at the time. So um, I actually, my entrepreneurial spirit came much later in life than I think most people would realize, and I. I I'll pivot a little bit, but I would say that was be FinCon uh, for anyone that has heard that, which is a financial conference where tech and money and media meet. Uh, and I started doing that podcasting. So, you know, you can do the math. That was 2013. I think I was late 30s. But taking a step backwards, what I kind of learned at the home was the we were taught me and I have a sister. Um, we were taught go to school, which we will help provide. Uh, they, they paid for they did a version of a 529 and paid for about 90% of my school. Amazing. And so we would provide house, home, security. That is our job as parents. And I learned later in life that, and they made a joint decision that we would pay for your college if you go public school. A public. <laughs> Ast yeah. Asterisk school. Hashtag, yeah. Asterisk public. Because I was looking at Duke for a while. They're like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you get a scholarship. Yeah. And so what I learned from that, and in some ways had to unlearn that it, a nine to five is the only way to get money. So that I didn't really come out of the home with an entrepreneur spirit. I came out of the home loving money because we live in a capitalist society. And so yeah. I just learned that from commercials and TV. And I thought and only knew that the only way to make money was to trade time for money. And I was yeah. successful in it. So I, I chased money all over the country. Uh, something else I did yeah. get from both my mother and my father is uh, my father would go where the money and opportunities are. So uh, if there's an opportunity in North Texas, we're in North Texas. There's an opportunity in South Texas. South. I told you a story. He's, or excuse me, Huntsville. He would go where the opportunities are as far as he, uh, he worked in government, where, as far as that went. And so I saw that. And I was probably indoctrinated by it more than I realized in the home. I was like, oh, you 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 go where where the money is. I didn't realize how much that was an exception until 
I get older and I, I, I use a lot of dating stories because that's your frame of reference. Like, because your home, we're all egocentric. We're like, well, my home is how everybody lives across the country. Right, of course. Yeah. And of course, the world, the world is just a reflection of, of microcosm Everyone's of my home. like <laughs> us. I am and the so, norm. <laughs> exactly. I, I'd be in a relationship. I was like, hey, uh, oh, there's a job 500 miles away. Let's go. And they're like, what? I've been here all my life. I live yeah. and die in LA and I'm going to die in LA. Like I was born here. I'm going to die here. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. That's not how people live their lives. Uh, and so that worked out for a long time. But I think as most people know, or will eventually find out when they get around my age, geriatric millennial age is your paycheck plateaus. I am the benefit. I also ironically went into the public sector. So the downside benefit of that is you know how much you make and you know how much everyone makes you yes can, anyone can google the gs scale if they, yes. uh, they want to see the federal government pay they want to see the army pay you can see how much sergeant makes you can see how much the president makes it's all public record yes and you start to look i looked at those numbers for the first time at 27 i was like these numbers aren't very big wait a minute <laughs> relative to where i wanted to be and where i saw things and so i didn't have an answer at that time but it, it unlocked, again, another wrinkle, another lightning bolt in my head, yeah. like, oh, I've got to do something different if I want the kind of commas and zeros in my check that I see for my lifestyle. It's not going to come from this nine to five. That's amazing. So wait, can we go back to when you first started? So was so you initially had the nine to five kind of mentality, mm -hmm. but you were already focused on building wealth or like the I mean, you there was something that compelled you to look at that scale eventually and think about lifestyle. So can you work, work me into, like you were very lucky to have most of your college paid. So that was lovely. You're coming, not coming out with debt. I was also, I'm very grateful that I had a similar experience that just sets you up for a lot of different conversations in your twenties. Um, but then, so, and you're working. So when did it kind of hit you? Wait a minute. Like I want to start paying attention to the numbers and the, my net worth and kind of growing my wealth. Uh, I'll, I'll give a, an exact timeline. Um, so I graduated high school at 18. I was always a little bit early because I had a, I'm a Scorpio, <laughs> you know, like long walks on the beach. And, uh, <laughs> and so I was always like a little bit older than everyone. <laughs> I was like the first with a credit card because I was, I was 18, a first yes. at 21. So I was always the wrong first. Uh, so graduated high school at 18 um, with about $2,000 in saving. My parents had opened up, uh, because I was so stubborn, they'd opened up a checking account for me at 16. I used about half of it. They matched it again. So the cars just got bigger over time. Yes, uh, love So it. I went from remote control car to my first used car. <laughs> and whatever I saved up, they said they would match it dollar for dollar. Um, so I got my first used car, wrecked it immediately. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is also a pattern. <laughs> But I won't do wrecking cars. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah I wrecked like six cars. Told them all. Yeah, I'm not Your bragging. Your insurance but, bill must be insane. Yeah. I'm not bragging, but if you're gonna, you like, if you're gonna wreck a car, you gotta wreck. A car. <laughs> right. As long yeah. as you don't hurt yourself or anyone else, are you like physically okay? I, I felt, I uh, kind of felt like I was Mr. Glass. Like these cars would be like cold and crumpled, and I'd be like, Ugh, you know, I was like Bruce Willis. I was like, oh, what's, <laughs> what's up? I, I gotta go go to school. Who's gonna give me a ride? Uh, so. The Separate Marcus Garrett. Yeah, I'll tell him another time. Yeah, tune in. Tune in next week on Dragon Ball Z. Um, then at 22, getting back to the debt story, yes, yes. I graduated college, like I said, with $9,000 in credit card debt because I I, I had 90% of my school taken care of, $9,000 in credit card debt, a $3,000 school loan. And that's actually the story of debt for your die trying, which I won't detract too much in. But um, what happened was I graduated. 
what had happened. <laughs> I'm about to tell a story. Yeah. Um, and I graduated with $9,000 in uh, credit card debt. And I saw I got one low consolidation loan offer. I didn't know what a consolidation loan was at the time. I thought I was getting over on the bank. I'm like, one low monthly payment. <laughs> Send it to me. And so I like applied for, I think it was 10,000, might've been 15. And they mailed me 22. I never made more than nine dollars. Now I was working in the copy center on the campus, and they sent me a ten thousand dollar check. And I was like, "Y'all didn't messed up." <laughs> so I went out and bought everything. Oh no! I even bought friend stuff. Like I was like, "Yo, I got ten thousand dollars, man. $10, Life on me, and I'm balling." You know, I bought a car. Thirteen, <laughs> like I said, the cars get bigger. I bought a thirteen thousand dollar car. And I didn't even negotiate. I have a whole video about car negotiation. Now I've negotiated every car and negotiated every salary. I like walked on the lot and they're like, Hey sir, how can you help? I was like, get your hands off me. I want that car right there. In fact, somebody was test driving the car when I like came back to get it later. They're like, Hey, somebody else was looking at it. I was like, what does it take? Do I need to bid on it? They're like bid on a used car. I was like, what do you need? 15, 16, whatever it oh takes. God. They're like, oh sir, sir, calm down. <laughs> So anyway, I'm hives. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a story from Debt Free or Die Trying, which you can read. And I give away for free now. It's at uh, themarcusgarrett.com slash debt free. If you want that full story, how I got $30,000 in debt in about a 72 oh hour period. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Pivoting back. So I've got my used car. I'm living life now, $30,000 in debt. And I, I still didn't really learn my lesson because I had no concept of, of how money worked through all yeah. this as far as spending and credit cards. And I, I was making the minimum payments, which I thought was an accomplishment. Yes. And then I hit rock bottom at in the book and what I talk about at age 27. Uh, so that, that kind of catches up the timeline because this is when I moved to Denver and my life changes. And rock bottom was I missed a payment on one of the credit cards and it was one of my original ones. It was like a discover that, you know, uh, utilization and credit history is like 60% of your credit score. So I was like, look, I'll just call up discover. We going to work this out. I've been cool with them for like 10 years. <laughs> and I was like, discover making money off me for 10 years. <laughs> right. I was like, discover it's your boy, Marcus. <clears throat> you know, I see there is an error here because my interest rate went from whatever it was before to 29.9%, which yeah. I still to this day think is like a usury. Like I'm talking about Eng old English law, but it, it's legal. So if you miss a credit card, they can raise a credit card payment. They have the option to raise it to 29.99% even to oh this day. God. And it wouldn't surprise me if they've increased it with inflation. And I quickly realized, because all I had done was make minimum payments. And I was working three jobs just to do that at this point in my life. at a nine to five and two contract jobs. And I did not know how I was going to make that payment or any payments the next month. And I was too... It, ignorant at the time. I call it a tsunami. So the, the water was going out the whole time and I didn't realize the tsunami was coming. And that night yeah. it hit. And I called, actually, I was looking for another consolidation loan offer. They, it used to come like rain, you know, like, like as frequent as the wind. And I realized I wouldn't get as many. I was checking the mail each week and just, I didn't know it at the time because my credit score was dwindling right down because I missed yes. a, a, a credit card payment. And I got one from an institution I won't name because I'm still bitter. And uh, they, they really have nothing to do with it, but I take it out on them anyway. And I called the call center and, you know, I'm sweating bullets. Like I, if I don't get this consolidation loan, I have no other plan. There's no plan B. There's no second option. There's, there's nothing after this. I don't even know how I'm yeah. going to make my monthly payments. Oh my God. Uh, and that's the tsunami. Like I'm the, if, 
it turned out to be a happy story, but I think bankruptcy would have been the other path because yeah. I had no other income streams or funds. I'm working three jobs. What else is there to do? There's only 24 yes. hours in a day. Yeah. And that night I put together my debt-free plan. I, I told myself I'll never put myself in this position again, which is ultimately I started living debt-free or die trying, but that's what it became. It's like, it's not debt-free into inconvenient, debt-free until, you know, I changed my mind. It's I'm going to get out of debt come hell or high water. Yes. And about six months after that, because I was still trading time for money, age 27, I saw a job offer in Denver for a 40% increase, uh, which is actually the salary I negotiated. To this day, I think I could have got more money because I asked for, uh, it was 70000 I said, can I get 70000 They answered so quickly. <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah sure, whatever. <laughs> 70000 yeah, You asked for eighty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little rounding error for us. I, I thought of, I've lost sleep over that. I think about how much money I can get. Just a lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. So that was age 27. And so between that 40% bump, I had my debt-free plan. I had paid off some of my used cars. So at that time I had a little under the 30,000. I'd make a dent in it. I had my $30,000 in debt. I'd made a dent in it. I, and I think the first thing I tackled was the school loan. Hmm. And I call it the power of zero. And I, I think I started at the snowball, if I remember correctly, because I, I jumped around and I, I talk about four plans that I use. I didn't just use a snowball, which is made famous by uh, Dave Ramsey. And for those yeah. who haven't heard that before, it's when you tackle your smallest debt first and pay that off and then you snowball the rest. Yeah. Um, and I saw that. Uh, I was like, this works. This system works. Wow, math works. Paying wow. more than the minimum payment for a consistent period of time will pay off your debt. Has anybody heard this? This is an amazing concept. <laughs> Why aren't more people doing this? <laughs> this is like and, the same excitement I hear in your voice when you got the $10,000. Now it's like exactly. freedom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah that, that's actually the other click of the switch. It's like, oh, that was, I didn't even know what to call it. I didn't, I didn't know what fire was, financial independence yeah. retirement. I didn't know what financial freedom was. I was just like, wow, a loan at a zero balance. What an amazing concept. Incredible. Everyone should be doing this. Everyone should be paying off their debt. Why aren't more people doing this? I feel so good. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Navit Podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover other incredible money stories. Uh, and then I, I guess just to catch the story up, that gets me to age 30. Once I finally got serious and lived the debt-free or die-trying life, it took me about 36 months to get out of the debt. Incredible. Incredible. So in that time period, in that 36 months, were you, so you had a mission. So I, I, I really, I think the debt-free community is a really interesting community because you have one kind of singular goal and all the other things about money management stack up for it, like to achieve that. Right. So you start with debt, but it really then affects your passive. Like you're talking about train time for money, but that means you're also very much aware of passive income, right? Like, mm -hmm. so start, you start thinking about how do I grow wealth without having to work? How do I, so tell me how that worked. Like, so debt was your first kind of inroad into living a fire life or living this kind of independent financially free life but how did do you f yeah how did you come to the other aspects of that um so i'll quickly walk through the plan because i wrote the book and i released it twice so the first time i released it because i was blogging people were following my story because i was just oh, hey guys i'm gonna get out of debt and here's how i'm going about doing they're like oh if this was a book i would buy it i was like a book yeah. i my brother-in-law says i forced gump my way into everything and like i was like <laughs> okay I 
I guess I'll write a book if that's what people want. And then it like became a bestseller. <laughs> um, and then because I was like, oh, I just, I published a blog. It was basically a book. And then the second time in 2020, I worked with an editor and the four step plan now is D. So it's a, an acronym. It's D, define the problem. E, establish a plan. B, build a chip build a budget and T trust the process debt debt yeah. free or die trying is now an acronym. Um, and that's why I talk about the, the four different steps as far as getting out of debt. You are correct. And my, you know, this has come with age, hindsight, clarity, pandemic yes. is now that I'm doing coaching and mentoring, I'm really um, cautious how I approach it, especially the younger the individual was, because you're right. I was mm -hmm. singularly focused on getting out of debt yeah. and I lost, I literally lost relationships. Like I remember, uh, one particular woman I was dating, it was me. I was just, I mean, she was fine with it. She's like, everyone's in debt. It is what it is. And I was like, I don't want to bring this baggage of debt to the relationship, right? which she did not care about. But I just, I just felt like it was this um, scarlet letter, scarlet D on my chest. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I can't be in a relationship right now. I got to do something about this 30,000. And then I think about like, I missed weddings. I missed friendship. I missed a lot of one-time events. Yeah. And so I really especially for younger individuals, I push a little bit on like the system worked, but at what cost? Yes. I, I, I'm reminded of the joke, like, like um, the surgery was a success, but the patient died. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. it's like, yeah, I successfully got out of debt at, at a bunch of sacrifices. And so yeah. that's why when I look at some of these communities and you, you start to see it now, I've, I've been following it and I've been in it so long. You see some people who are in their early twenties are like, Oh, I'm doing fire. I'm giving up everything. Yeah. I just want to get out of debt. And now they're in their thirties are like, especially on the other side of a pandemic, they're like, man, I really wish, I really wish, I really wish. Yeah. Um, because debt, you can always put a plan together, but there's, there's memories and events that you, that you can't get back. There's only one wet. Totally. Well, there might be more than one wedding. Uh, there's only one child, you know, there's like, there's, yeah. there's one time events. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, and, and at Navit, we talk about my my co-founder actually coined this phrase of freedom, F-R-E-E, -E, financially resilient, empowered early. And I think that's what we talk about in, in the kind of, there's a balance, right? So being being focused on getting out of debt is an amazing thing, but also what you're really trying to build is resilience over time, right? So you're trying to get out of debt, but you're also trying to get have that savings account and build up that habit of savings and thinking about investing early, right? And like time is your friend when investing. So, and living your life and and not putting pressure on yourself to be perfect in everything that you do and have, you know, have experiences as much as being singularly, like being focused on your financial resilience over time, right? And, and, and being empowered early, you know, you're really lucky that by 27, you, I mean, I think you're, you have an incredible story and hitting rock bottom is not ideal, right? But you had this moment and you were young enough that there was a turning point for you, right? It's empowered early to me is like the key. And what I, you know, I'm also a geriatric millennial. And when I look at my twenties, it's the same thing of like, there are mess, it's messy. Your twenties are messy. You're figuring yourself out. You're trying to get independent. You know, you're like, you're dating a lot. I did not have Tinder. I don't think we had, you didn't, must not have had, did you really have Tinder in your twenties? Come on. Um, if you're my I, age, I, I, 
I tell you, uh, I guess I was in my third. I tell you the exact, I'll keep it quick. The, I remember the first time, I remember when I learned about Twitter. I mean, Tinder. It's so amazing now that, it, you know, it's just second nature. But just imagine this. I went home. I was in a relationship. I was in a rocky relationship. And Clearly. I visited my single friend. And we don't have video for this. But his thumb, it looked like a lightning bolt. Like his thumb was moving like a Pikachu. <laughs> Across, and I'm like, what are you doing over there? He's like, man, I'm on Tinder. And I'm like, what the what hell the hell's is Tinder? Tinder? Yeah. He's like, man, you swipe right on these attractive people and they swipe right on you. <laughs> I, w- I was on the airplane. I don't think I'm I spoke. For the- yeah, I don't think I spoke for the rest of the trip. I just kind of, I- but in my head, it was like a beautiful mind. I'm like, swipe right. Swipe right. <laughs> and then they swipe right on you. Do you match? I-, I, I, whatever age that was, it, it, it like it messed me up. <laughs> It was like my, my 300 moment. Like, it was like, this is Sparta. Yes. So I, you Spike might be correct. Right. I was still in Denver because I remember the woman I was dating was in Denver. This might have been like the baby. She probably person. wasn't very happy about you in, in finding Tinder. No, That's mind you, I didn't like get on Tinder like while wow, I was in a relationship. But it did mess that relationship yeah. up because I'm like, I I'm sitting here. Swipe. And, yeah, exactly. Every time we get in an argument, I was like, I could be swiping right now. Oh my god, I'm dying. She's like, oh, I'm gonna go to bed early. I was like, oh, bed early? I could be swiping right now. Like everything became, I'd be swiping, you know. So it just, whatever age that was, that was my introduction. Oh my to god, I'm Tinder dying. Ruined my life, which I feel like a lot of people could say. Probably, probably, and all these other alternatives have come. But we have digressed, um, yeah. and I have really, but I love it. I love it so much. Um, but anyways, twenties. So dating yeah. is a thing, and that's where you know you get empowered. So okay, let's let's uh, fast forward to now. You are feeling empowered to write this book, and the the phase after it. So now that you're older and wiser, and you've lost some, and you've gained some in this like amazing journey. Um, when did you when did you decide to go out on your own and be independent and be an entrepreneur? It was about. 37. Um, and I wrote that number down and I don't remember why, but there must've been an event cause I wrote a timeline, but I, I'll tell a story that ties it together. And once again, it involves my father. So <laughs> it's like either father or Tinder, <laughs> which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, exactly. At some point, and I've repeated it a number of times. He told me to, you know, like, that's another thing my uh, the dad does. He tells me stuff when I'm too young to get it. He still does it now. Um, <laughs> and he was like, son, I was probably like four, but maybe I was a teenager. <laughs> He's like, son, I want you to use your 20s to learn, your 30s to apply, and your 40s to teach and mentor. Oh, that's beautiful. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was probably like playing Sega or something. I'm like, what? Yeah. All right, dad, whatever. You're seven. You're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? And I, I think I'm never going to be 40. It. Yeah, he has a math. Exactly. 40? Sorry, that's way too old. How old are you? <laughs> And the reason I bring that up, you know, uh, and it's funny because I said that quote, which I thought was very profound. And a lot of people do, especially when they hear it the first time. Totally. I told that to a 50 year old. And I think um, a gun to the guy, I want to say he's probably in his 60s or 70s, too. He's like, how old are you, young blood? And I was like, man, <laughs> at the time I felt super old. I was like, oh, I'm 38. He's like, <laughs> you got your whole life ahead of you. I'm like, what? I feel like it's over. And I say that because. I did use, like you said, use your 20s to learn. And from that experience, I applied it in my 30s, even though I did not realize it. I made uh, clearly a, a little milestone, $30,000 in mistakes in my 20s and was still able to overcome it because yeah. although I was chasing after money, I was upping my money while I was also upping my debts. I was, I had a, a whether that's a seesaw or a weight, it actually worked for me. 
And then, you know, eventually it caught up with me. And so when I started thinking about passive income and now I'm getting to the mentor phase, uh, the, the 40s curve, um, it was like, I wonder, some of it was the podcast. I was uh, podcasting since 2013. I've had a couple different brands, but the second brand, which we actually made a business, was we help millennials make money, save money and get out of debt. And it was it was basically an interview based podcast. And I remember one day we were doing an interview. Uh, we had hundreds of great guests. And uh, I remember just one day I had this aha moment. Like I'm, I'm sitting here talking to all these entrepreneurs and millionaires and passive income, going to FinCon, and I'm not applying anything that I'm yes. listening to. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And I, it was like my second, what is, I guess that'd be a quarter life crisis because I wasn't quite middle-aged at the time. And I was like, I'm going to start my own brand and business and do what these people are telling us to do every week. And I, I called that. I was, I was talking to my uh, fiance about it. Like, you got to come to your own aha moment, your own train station. Yeah. Like the train can pass you by a thousand times and you're like, hey, maybe it's like the if that if that metaphor would be like the conductor who's not curious, like, you know, yeah. well, where does this train go? It's like, I don't know. I just I just sweep the train track. Just, and, right. You know, I just, so I was just showing up to the podcast. I was listening, but not learning. Yeah. And then I launched my own brand officially in 2021. And uh, it has been wildly successful. And it's been uh, some painful, it's been a great experience. Um, but something happened literally two months ago, uh, excuse me, two weeks ago. And, and I'll quickly tell that one. I, I lost 40,000 in like two weeks. Apparently, I, I just yeah. like spending and losing and gaining money. That's like yes. my thing. <laughs> and uh, it was two contracts got canceled. Okay. And I've been doing this, like I've been in the space, I've been an entrepreneur officially with an LLC for a year and a half. And I still had that flight or fight response. I, I, I literally, I was telling my uh, fiance, I was like, we're going to be homeless tomorrow. Like, <laughs> oh God, the world is crumbling down. The sky is falling. I was running around like chicken little. Oh, how, how will I ever make money again? And then, you know, three days later, I talked to my therapist. I'm a therapy advocate Yeah, now, me too. Huge. For a number of years. Yeah. Definitely. And um, she was like, you you made 40,000 before you've made hundreds of thousands before yes. what makes you think you won't do it again? Yes. What, what makes you think you're going to have the capability to recreate the success that you've had? And I didn't believe her. <laughs> it still took me a few more days. I was like, I'm going to be homeless tomorrow. I know what you know what you're talking <laughs> you're about. Like, I'm going to get homeless. a new therapist. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I can't even afford you. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I crunched the numbers and, you know, using those decade milestones, I told a 50 year old that same story and it was funny. She said, if I were you, I'd use your forties to have fun in your fifties to teach a mentor. Oh, and you know, it's it, when you beautiful. get to that next decade, the previous decade just gives you perspective. Looks so yes. Different. Yeah. yeah. You're like making me contemplate here. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is something liberating about being this age and having all the, this life experience and realizing that the things that we used to worry about and the anxieties, I'm a therapy advocate too, like all the things I talk to my therapist about are actually a lot less important than I think they are, right? Like the anxiety, like, or even the way like I've been able to reframe old belief patterns that I had from childhood and all the things that I, you know, are my own like coping mechanisms, like I can choose happiness and I can worry about a lot less and be, and my life will be just the same. <laughs> you know, like, anyways, I like the forties. I hope, I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> I, I'm, I am 
increasingly confident that I will. Not to say that I ever wasn't. I was maybe worried that I will. Because for me, there's been a calmness that has come with it. Yeah. So even though I had that panic attack, that panic attack might have taken a year in my 20s. Whereas now it just took a few days. (laughs) And and I had to talk to a few people. And um, I'm also big for those who can't afford therapy because it can be expensive. And mentorship. Mentorship is free. And I have a great mentor in my life that I actually met through work. And I remember he gave me some advice once. Um, and maybe I like him because he's like my father. So my father is empathetic with everything, but has a limited patience. Uh, so <laughs> that's beautiful. I'll, I can com- come, I can come complain to him, and he'll listen to everything I've got to say. I can complain for hours; he'll listen for hours. But at the end of that session, he's going to be like, "It's not your fault, yeah. but it is your problem," which is his favorite quote go to. Oh that's amazing. And I, he doesn't have to say it anymore because I know when I get to the he's end, I'm like, "It's it. not your fault; it is your problem." All right, well, <laughs> all right nice all right, talking right. to you again, father. <laughs> Um, but my mentor said, when you, when you're going through a scenario like this, and I'm a little bit more empathetic, depending on the decade, he's like, Marcus, I'm gonna give you 24 hours and you can do whatever you need to do within that period. When you hit rock bottom, or in this case, when you lose $40,000, so mm. you can cry, feel sorry for your fail, point fingers, do whatever coping mechanisms you need to do. Yes. But when you call me on the 25th hour, you better have a plan in place or be able yeah. or ready to talk about one. Beautiful. And I just elongate that a little bit um, because what I would say is I like your term reframe. So, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, the reframe for me, when especially there's so much going on, I feel like I'm one of few that like life is more difficult for younger people because there's so much that they have to deal with at the time where they're growing the perspective of dealing with it. Yes. Um, so if I deal with a troll today, I'm like, oh, whatever. I got a, yeah. I got 11,000 followers. Who is this person? But if you got one follower, that's a hundred percent each. So right. you got one person supporting you, one person trolling you is like, man, I must suck because it's 50, 50. Right. right. <laughs> um, so I tell the, I give them a little bit longer perspective and it's like, you know, if you have a bad day, you know, triple that. Maybe if, if you're 20, take a month to feel sorry for your point fingers at the world. But in month number two, when you come and talk to me again, you better have a plan or you better be ready to talk about one. Because really you can't, you, you need that, um, and I think I've gotten better at it, but it's through practice. The the people who bounce back quicker. 100. So everyone, everyone gets down. Everyone hits rock bottom. Definitely. But unfortunately, another thing I think you and I will see with age is, and anyone will, is you you see people who get stuck there. Yeah. So they, they'll get knocked down yep. that same scenario and they, they get stuck there. And yes. however you get unstuck and however long it takes, yeah. I do not recommend staying stuck. Yes, that's beautiful. And it's okay. It's your journey, however long it takes, to your point. Uh, but it, but you got to unst- unstick at some point because <laughs> there is. And, yeah. There and like, I, I've been stuck. I've been, I've been depressed and I've been yeah. in debt. And I, 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 so I can, I'm not speaking from a place of hey, those people over there. No, <laughs> I, totally. It's like talking to my younger self. Yes, I hear you. That's incredible. I really love it. So, so, okay. I, who, I'm going to, two more questions. Who is your money hero? Hmm. No one's ever asked me that. So I would have to, off the top of my head, I actually probably would say my parents. Uh, And I say it because of what they've done and accomplished. And I can see it in, uh, you know, they say representation matters. And even going to what I'm speaking to here, I I didn't realize how lucky I was that I didn't have to travel very far. And I think... If I had to guess, he can correct me because I'm sure he'll listen to this show. My, that's what my father was trying to say is 
you are privileged. <laughs> you live a yeah. privileged life through me and your mother that we have provided for you. Yeah. And that privilege comes with a heavy burden. And I expect you to teach and mentor, because he was a professor, uh, others, students. Yeah. And I think he was trying to push me in that way before I was ready at that time. First of all, I didn't really understand what he was saying. And, and I get it now. Uh, I've had literally had people, some of my best compliments are, you know, I didn't even know this was possible. This yeah. is the first time I heard that. I opened up a savings account because of you. Yeah. But those are like amazing stories and comments amazing. to hit. And it's priceless too. It really is. So, and when you say, so that's what he taught you. What? Did, how did your mom affect that? Like what was her role in I, I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, number one, I get my stubbornness from my mom. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I'm going to show you. You take 40000 yeah. for me. I'm going to come back with eighty. dollars yeah. so, <laughs> Which so is actually can't... where I'm at right now. I'm like, I can't believe these contracts. I can't. Actually, it's through nobody's fault, but I'm still mad about it. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I trying to challenge myself. Like, Marcus, what happened was I got comfortable. I was like, oh, I'm making 40. I'll take some time. I'll just kick my feet up. And then those, yeah. those contracts dried up. And it was like, oh, God, homeless tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I get that from her. And like I said, I didn't realize it growing up. But um, my mom, she just decided. I didn't know this. I was too young to realize it. And you know how you don't care what your parents do as long as there's a roof over your head. Yes. Um, she just, I don't even know how she decided. Oh, she told me. She used to work at a bank. And I think someone came in and was making large deposits and she asked them what they do for a living. They're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a registered nurse. And she is like, I'm going to become a registered nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I see how much money this person makes and I want that for me. I want that deposit. And, you know, yeah, exactly. And she probably looked at her check and she probably, you know, had access to, you know, probably some nefarious things, but whatever. Yes. She, she drew a happy conclusion. <laughs> but, and this is what I, yeah, I talked to people about this. A lot of people would stop there. Like I talk about yeah. people now with goal building and I'm walking my community through goal building, which everyone does. It's your New Year's resolution okay. and the system to success. That's where people fall apart because the system is difficult. And my mom's system was she came home. Once again, she's stubborn, independent woman and told my dad, like, I'm going to become a nurse. <laughs> I don't know what his response was. She did become a nurse. She's a registered nurse. She's retired now. But I'm sure it was something like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Because he probably knew when my mom puts her mind to something. <laughs> and she did. And this, what that meant for our family, which I learned later in life, is um, my dad moved again for work. My mom always says he's co-conspiring to get away from her. <laughs> but he's like, it was like a $70,000 raise. <laughs> yeah, smart. So, yeah, he went to Austin. And uh, so people who don't know how large Texas is, she went to Galveston for nursing school. Which, and she, this is how my mom is, too. Galveston's like the best nursing program now. People might argue it was at the time. I think Rice yeah. is up there now. And um, so it's anyway, it's like a four hour journey between yeah. each other. And so uh, my dad was like, all right, Marcus, the Marcus Garrett and Judy, uh, my wife, my mom, uh, y'all have fun. And she's like, I got school. Take this boy. You with get you. the kids. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. And I don't know. Um, I learned later in life. I, I think his response was what? But I learned later in life. <laughs> That that decision, which was not his, my dad tried to abandon me. Apparently, he's trying to leave me too. That decision like solidified the relationship that I have with my father today. Uh, and that familial family sacrifice, not mm -hmm. familiar, familial sacrifice for the family put us in another echelon of money yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. you know, registered nurse, y'all can guess how much registered nurses make. And my dad ultimately became a chairman through the, uh, the job that he was doing. Amazing. Uh, so it worked out. So each story uh, works out. It's my, another, uh, I'll end here. Another quote of my dad's is there's three versions to every story, your version, their version and the truth. truth so yes. when my mom tells that story, she's like, your dad's trying to leave me down here in Galveston, abandon me on the Gulf coast. And my father's like, I was trying to solidify a financial foundation for the family that each would benefit for for the next 20 years. <laughs> I'm sure the truth is somewhere, somewhere in the middle. middle. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I, I think they are my my That's financial amazing. heroes. What? Now I'm going to make sure they listen to this podcast. They absolutely have to because what incredible stories. And both sides have incredible contribution to it. It's not just one mm-hmm. or the other. They They really had their own. I love partnership is a Venn diagram, right? They're they're both independent, their stories, and then the overlap that really created the foundation for you. That's really cool. And you're saying it solidified your dad's relationship because it was the two of you. Was your sister Mm -hmm. with you? Um, at that time, I think so. My sister's, uh, she's older than me. I'm not going to say how much because my sister listens to this episode. Why are you out there talking about Yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Telling the world my age. I love how you have a lot of executive producers. She's older. (laughs) Okay, got it. Okay. And, uh, I was for frame of reference, I was in an elementary school and it was funny because we actually, I don't know, purposely or coincidentally, I used to walk to elementary school. I was right across the street from the elementary yes, school. Amazing. I remember because my mom caught me one time. She says, I don't remember this. She told me, she told me I need to remember this, that she caught me like roughhousing on the playground and like <laughs> pointed at me <laughs> from the kitchen. <laughs> I don't remember the story. I don't know if it's true. true but her version is that you stopped yeah. immediately. Yeah. Cause I was like, you I like, waved and, like straightened right up. <laughs> Uh, amazing yeah. very cool well amazing this is said you have such a great story marcus and so the marcus excuse me um <laughs> tell i we're gonna do our final segment is quick takes and then i want you to tell everyone where to find you and what you're doing these days so but really quick first of all these are would you rathers okay, okay. would you rather rent or buy i'm gonna say rent because i am renting <laughs> okay okay any particular rate to save for something else uh, it's because I move so much for all of these uh, pursuits. Yes, but yes. to that point, uh, again, entrepreneur mindset and looking for some more steady income stream so I don't lose $40,000 yes. in two weeks. Uh, I'm looking at real estate. I'm, and what yeah. I do is strategically invite guests and expertise that I want to get into. So I'll have a bunch of real estate experts on the show soon. Oh, amazing. See, there you go. Uh, you'll be learning, not just listening, right? Is that, that's exactly. the yeah. I'll be taking vigorous notes. <laughs> amazing. Um, cooking in or eating out? Eating out. Mm-hmm. I want to say cooking in, but the missus does the cooking. So she's like, of course you love cooking. She's in, like, yeah. You, don't cook. <laughs> you eat. Like, I contribute by saying, oh, that looks good. <laughs> you should put that in there. Yeah. Is that a three course or a two course? <laughs> and oh, honey, that tasted so good. Thank you very yes, much. Exactly, yes, exactly. Good man. Uh, coffee versus, versus tea? Coffee. Uh-huh. Okay. Disney versus Hulu. Ooh, oh, so- I, thought, I thought they aren't there. A comp- I thought they were a package. They now. are a package. I'm sorry. Um, Let me do Netflix versus Disney and Hulu. I'm a Netflix man, but mm-hmm. we are a shared house. Uh-huh. So I used to be, uh, when I was doing all that debt freedom, I was a cable cut- cord cutting guy. But like now everyone's cord cutting because there's no more cords to <laughs> yes, have. Now they're like five accounts on one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my yeah. fiance has pretty much everything because I, I got by so long without cable. And I, I pay for Netflix. <laughs> she has like stuff all I don't know. All my other my other executive producer she'd be like why are you talking about me all, all right, right. Like, sorry but mind you mind you these are just voiceovers the actual you know, the, any resemblance to actual characters this is not how they sound <laughs> in real life why would you do my voice i sound like that is that how i sound to you no you do not 
I'm just doing a character. And if you can see the video, voice. he's moving his head in a way. You better watch. <laughs> You're right. Not. Nor does nor does she move her head. <laughs> I like this. You're like completely saving your own skin on this. Uh, okay. Uh, final one. This is the big one. Would you rather have $1 million or $50 million with a permanent mime following you wherever you go? $1 million. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Why? I'm, Most I'm entrepreneurs a, a, say that. Why? I'm an introvert and antisocial. So oh. the <laughs> idea of someone following me around. <laughs> and yet you're it's, not, really... it's, not, it's not worth $49 million more. Exactly. exactly. And you could probably do something with that one million. Um, you are a very good storyteller for being an introvert and antisocial. Is that why <laughs> that, podcasts are good? It's like safe. No, I've I blogged for ten to fifteen. It's technically oh. still freelance, right? So I had a lot of training. That's what introverts do. Um, oh. I, my previous business partner used to say we have faces for podcasts. <laughs> it, it worked out beautifully. And really good voices for podcasts. So. Very nice. I love it. Okay, Marcus, please tell everyone where they can find you and what's happening next in your world. Uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can find The Marcus Garrett Show. Literally, it is named The Marcus Garrett Show, where every week we have entertaining conversations with your favorite <laughs> influencers and entrepreneurs about life after death. Look us up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts at The Marcus Garrett Show. At TheMarcusGarrett.com, I have... So many landing pages and giveaways that it's difficult for me to decide, but you can go there and basically chart a plan for yourself. I do office hours every month where I basically take listeners' questions. I build a plan for them. Like I said, I'm doing a four-week plan right now where they define their dreams, define their goal, establish a system, which is really where I come in. I feel like that's my zone of genius is defining the system. I've been an auditor for 15 years, and I'm a recovering auditor now. I finally escaped uh, moving into entrepreneurship and I try to be representative of what I talk about now, which was a lesson learned from the previous business. So if I have a guest on and it's something I want to do, like the real estate example, I do it. So people can be like, he's not just talking to talk. He's walking the walk. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Uh, okay. Final thing. Do you really, do, I mean, you do voiceovers, right? Because clearly you have the voice for it. It's I am like a serious. Side it's like a it side hustle. It literally happens. So you can find me at voices.com slash profile slash the Marcus Garrett. I'm universally branded. But exactly what happened is people kept saying, you have a great voice. You have a great voice. Uh, I've had this voice in 16, so it's really, it really doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> but then I read somewhere that you can make $5,000 a month. And I was like, ding. Done. <laughs> Where do I sign up? <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> Where do I sign up? So I set up a profile and we'll be picking up voiceover work uh, this year, actually. Amazing. So if you need the Marcus Garrett on your voice voicemail or ringtone or whatever you need, he's available. Podcast intro and or drop. <laughs> and or excellent. Marcus, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Nabbit Podcast, where we share money stories. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with your friends. See you on the next episode.